follow your passion and I always say aim for the highest yes and mm. it's not always going to be the easiest path because sometimes the highest yes will be the one that's going to teach you the lesson where you don't want to go it's telling you basically that life is holographic that you always have a choice whether you're in the light you still have a choice to go and experience the dark and when you're in the dark if you need to go to the light there's always a pathway for you to get through that Welcome to the Choosing Greatness podcast, where we explore the stories of ordinary people who have made an extraordinary impact by finding their greatness. It is time for you to find yours and live it out. Welcome to episode two. I am your host, Joseph Dalton. Today, I have the honor of being joined by my next guest, Carmelo Blandino. Carmelo is an accomplished artist, whose paintings have been featured in galleries and museums all over the world. His story brings a powerful message on finding your passion, following your heart, and making it your life's mission to do what you love. The day that I met you, Carmelo, it started off chaotic. We were on our way to the botanical gardens, and we had a family emergency with our dog. We almost turned around and gave up, but we pushed through and we made it happen. We were touring the gardens and met Carmelo while he was doing a live painting with some of his works on display. My wife and I were quickly drawn to the art pieces, but even more so to Carmelo's heart behind his work. We left that day very glad that we pushed through our dilemma and had the honor to meet you, Carmelo. I appreciate you joining me here today to tell your story. It's an honor. Thank you. I'm honored to be here and uh, to hear the story. It's it's funny how things happen. Of course, um, serendipity will sort of like lead the way and position you in situations so that you end up um, having new experiences. And uh, I remember uh, that day when I met you and your family, and I, I felt the same way. It was really like a, it was a, almost like a divine connection of sorts. Sure, and, sure. And you just sort of know when you end up meeting people that are um, like minded also and out to do good and to put good into the world. Absolutely. Um, so that that connection that that connection is instantly recognizable. I think uh, it was really something nobody was looking to um, gather or gain anything from anyone except to simply be together and share. And I remember meeting your boys and I, I just found them to be so bright, uh, like bright lights is how I saw them. And uh, wow. so just so intelligent immediately. And I'm like, these kids, it's just like there's something about them. And sure. and um, you were mentioning you saw that I was inquiring about them. My curiosity was strong about them because it's rare that you end up meeting children of that age that are that carry this sort of energy. So sure. moving forward, you know, without putting any weight on them, of course, but this is the potentiality for change. <laughs> it's, right. it's embedded right there right. In, in, in those forms. You know, it's removed the fact that they're kids and that they're they're humans, but this sort of energy that's mitigating in there, that's sort of like bubbling needs to be seen sure. and recognized and nurtured. You know, so, Absolutely. So. And what, what impressed me about you is the fact that you were uh, doing a live painting. Mm -hmm. You were engaging with, with my kids, mm -hmm. asking them questions, and you had, you know, you had their full attention, which yeah. is pretty rare to get three young boys to focus on something like that. Um, they were captivated. Yeah. And then you also had the ability to interact with uh, I'll call them some of your fans uh, that were of a different age group yeah. than my children, of course. And you just handled people with such grace yeah. and love. That's what 
made me want to reach out to you and, and yeah. talk with you today. I think there's a lot of value in what you do and in your own life. And I know that doesn't just happen. You know, it's a choice. It's a choice. And um, you said you said the two words is like, um, uh, actually three, people, grace, and love. And I truly believe that uh, it's innate in all of us. I mean, we you don't just, it's not something you acquire. You're born with grace and you're born with love. And you're, you're you know, when you're born a human, it makes you part of the people population. Somewhere along the way, as we grow up, a lot of these ideas end up being distorted. And sure. we fall from grace. Sure, the purity is tainted. The purity is tainted um, by, by no fault of anybody, really. I mean, it's just, again, choices that we make in order to be able to have to experience certain situations in life out of just basic curiosity. Um, and, and then sometimes we fall into an idea of love, which um, is very dangerous to have an idea of love rather than seeing that we actually are love. So when you sort of take love and you objectify it into a form, then you end up chasing that throughout your life and 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 you'll never find it because it's not a form, it's innate within you. Sure. So so when you start to look at people and you recognize the grace and the love inside of them, you sort of like bypass all the the extra weight that they carry of like the social social ideas and just understand that everybody has grace and love and just talk to that. Like sure. speak to that. And then and then immediately what happens is there's it's quite amazing is there's a heart opening that, that occurs and then people connect at that that level and they're like, Oh my god, it's like this person is speaking my language. Well it's it's nobody ever stops speaking that language. You just sort of turn your way you away from it for sure. a bit. But if that person's speaking that language, it's like just come back to it slightly and, and start living from that point. Sure. It sounds to me like you're saying that we are surrounded by beauty, love, grace, and human connection opportunities. But if we don't see them, recognize them, mm. and want them, right. then they won't They won't happen. I think our ego, for uh, the most part of us, makes us believe that we don't need them, mm. that we can do better without it. And th these, these attributes are bestowed to us by a, a, a simple essence of being. This is a gift from God. It's like you come with these tools. They're very, very strong tools because if you guide your principles by those attributes, doors will open for you easily. Sure. Um, you know, projects that you engage in will come to, towards you easily. But when we sort of pull away from it and say, I can do it on my own or my ego is stronger, I don't need, I don't need grace and love. That's just something that's like, you know, it's, right. it's, it's uh, like a fairy tale it's or like a mystical. fairy tale or mystical stuff. And, and, and then you just sort of, you slowly don't realize it, but you're slowly pulling yourself away from the sort of guidance principle. And eventually when you end up falling flat in your face, because it's <laughs> the, the other stuff isn't working for you, right. guess what you're going to be going towards, you know, you always end up back towards there. So sure. I'm so sorry for having left you and I'm back again. And, right. and that's kind of like biblical in a way. Like you end up hearing the stories of, uh, what was it, the prodigal son right. and, and the teachings of Christ when, you know, he left and then came back. And, and, right. and we see it in everything. But yeah, it's an ongoing, uh, it's sort of like an ongoing theme with, with humans. And sometimes, you know, the other day I was um, with everything that's going on right now. And I was, I, I was looking at my wife and I'm like, why do we have corruption? <laughs> What is it about humans that we simply want to continue to create corruption? Where sure. is that coming from? And that is part of the um, the attributes of the yin and the yang, where basically you sometimes need to figure out who you are by going through a dark 
dark period. Sure. And 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 we it's just part of the the left and the right, the up and the down of being able to live. Right. Part know. of the thing I try to teach my children is don't be afraid to fail. Right. Don't, be, don't afraid be afraid to, afraid to fall or to you know, give your best effort and lose. What's the worst? I mean, you, you learn. Exactly. You learn from it. It doesn't mean that you're a failure. It just means that you learn something new. Exactly. You, you can, you know, you always pick yourself up again and dust it off. Sure. Let's go. So, you know, I'm, I'm meeting you and seeing you at the stage of your life that I believe is, you know, successful and um, the impact you've made is is very deep with a lot of people. But take me back to your earlier years, mm-hmm. maybe even your childhood mm-hmm. or your teenage years. Um, talk to me about that stage of your life when you recognized that you had this artistic gift. I uh, had an inclination towards it early on. I think, uh, I think the real, uh, I think I was uh, probably in grade one. I was up in Montreal in Canada. And... Um, I, well, this, uh, uh, the first drawing that I ever did in that class um, gathered a lot of attention. So I saw that I had a way of um, making people happy. The attention was uh, one of joy, you know, that sure. was, and for me, it was like, wow, this little thing that I did here, this little drawing on the small sheet of bond paper using Prismacolors uh, has uh, generated a lot of enthusiasm. It has power. It has an energy. So in first grade, because first grade. I don't think... Most people, for me, it happened in my very early 30s right. where I realized the effect that the God-given gift I have has on other people. Right. And that's what kind of fills my cup to this day is continuing that that uh, cycle of you know giving what God has given me to other people right. and watching the beauty kind of unfold. But you, you know, it sounds like you had that experience at a very young age yeah. where you saw what you can do impact somebody else that's powerful that was very powerful because i remember walking home that that afternoon with my brother and it was like a fall afternoon school had started in september and uh man i was just like i was floating you know it's just like wow this this was just amazing and then i wanted to do another one to see and and say hey look how does this affect you and so on you know so you know it was very innocent in the sense that there weren't those. There wasn't the weight of the world trying to tell me this is art and this. Yeah, is you were a child. Dogma. I was you, a child. You had no fear of yeah, no the fear. pressure. Absolutely, you're just doing it. You're doing it for the sake of doing it, and and getting and kicking back on that response again. Like you're saying, oh wow, okay. So this kept going on, and um, I have to say that it really fine-tuned um, my sort of my senses to to the world around me. I started to really recognize that there is something very distinct going on over here. I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I was hooked. It really became like I need to do this for my life, like a healthy obsession, kind of. It's a healthy obsession, and um, the other part of it that also pulled me towards it and pushed me into it was we we had arrived from Sicily, and um, you know. I grew up in a rather chaotic sort of family up, upbringing where everybody was, uh, they were all workers, okay? And they were in construction or they were doing, they were sewing or they were factory workers because those are the type of jobs that my parents- Yeah, worked with their hands. They worked with their hands. Labor. Uh, labor, it was very labor intensive. And I knew I didn't want to live that way. <laughs> sure. I looked at that and I said, that is a very hard way. It's very hard. Mm-hmm. And and again, that is a choice. but. They chose to do that because this is what they grew up with. 
and then as they sort of refined their skills, they made better and better choices in, in how they worked with their hands. So I sort of, at some point, I think I realized that I was sort of of the generation that was going to change the working with the hands in construction to working with the hands in art. Sure. So it, it almost became sort of like a new segue into a new form of generation that would sort of start working in that in that way now. So less with body, less with hands, more with mind, more with creation. Sure. Um, and that was another driving principle that I recognized early on. I said, I have the potential to be able to make a change here, not only in my life, but in the ancestry of my actual, uh, my actual family. Sure. And in fact, that was, I think I'm the only one that actually broke away from all of that and started that sort of, and then my cousins started to follow through in different ways also. Sure. I think it's awesome how you were able to really find a niche and a focus and a direction that you had clearly defined. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people in their teens, but even in their 20s, they're kind of bouncing around from job to job and school to this to you know, different areas of the mm-hmm. country. And, and there's really nothing wrong with that because everybody's journey is a little different. But I think one of the uniquenesses of your story is that you early on really had a focus on that. Yeah. So what would be your guidance or encouragement to young people that do believe they have a unique gift, mm-hmm. maybe in artistry, maybe not, but a unique gift that they want to pursue and maybe go a little bit, you know, off the beaten path of what their parents want. It's very difficult because the, um, you know, a lot of times when it, the, the family structure is such that the parents want the best for their children and obviously they want them to grow uh, following sort of in their footsteps. And, you know, but at the same time, you're on your own, but not too much. You know, you're on your own, but you still have to sort of make us happy or proud of you. Sure. Uh, so it's it's difficult for both sides between the parents. But what I would tell people who want to follow their their heart is exactly that is follow your passion and i always say aim for the highest yes and Mm. it's not always going to be the easiest path because sometimes the highest yes will be the one that's going to teach you the lesson where you don't want to go Mm. that's also important to recognize that so rather than the you know people talk about writing out your goals writing out your vision which i think is important you also need to define what your mission is not yeah, you absolutely. You have to define what your mission is not. Now, some people are, are, are can steer clear of it because they have they have twenty twenty vision. They say I cannot go there, but sometimes the, you're you're going to human nature. Like I said, why are we corrupt? You will tempt that. You will t- you you may edge along it, or you may jump into it to find out what that experience is. And if you jump in, let's hope and count your blessings that you're able to jump right back out. Because you can make get stuck in there. So, what are some of those uh, distractions or vices? Or uh, well, you know, if you're if you if you've never played as a child, uh, as you grow older, you'll probably be probably fall into drugs and you know fall into crime and you know because you're going to need some sort of stimulation from somewhere. And if you don't know the the beauty of playing, you're going to play in a different way. That's very interesting. That's nothing I've ever heard before. So I wanted to focus on that for a moment. When you interacted with my children, you know, a few weeks ago when we met, it seemed to me that you valued and discovered the wonder Mm -hmm. and the creative mind that children have. And so what I'm hearing from you now is that that is extremely important 
for them to be kids, mm -hmm. to run in the woods, run in the field, play in the ocean, yep. and see what is it about nature that's so important for kids to experience. As you're explaining, it could lead to the lack of that mm -hmm. could lead to trouble. Yeah, the lack of that could lead to a lot of trouble because um, the, well, first of all, I just want to go back to the the value of being able to play. As you get older, you never stop playing. Wow. You know, just because you introduce what we would call a work ethic, I hope that everybody ends up working in a playful way. You know, you want to make a lot of money and you want to be uh, wealthy. Nothing wrong with that. But just play, do it and play. Have fun. Have fun. Have fun. We forget that we can do all of that by having fun. And it's fun to put corporations together and hire thousands of people and, 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 and create jobs. That's fun. And you have a reward for it. Fortunately, we live in a capitalist system that rewards us in that way. So there's a reward, but there's also a growth. You, you're helping families. Uh, but along the way, as you're playing, all I'm saying is when you, when you will get to the point where you're going to need this energy that we call money to bring it in, and to sustain yourself, remember, nothing wrong with that. You don't lose the play because you're going to start earning something from it. Okay? So we're all just basically big kids. <laughs> as an artist, we are all big kids. And as an artist, I think it was Matisse who said, ultimately, all we're trying to do is return back to, to being five years old again. Wow. Because this, this is the one thing that we always forget. And so you know, I can tell you, even I can vouch for myself in, my, in the tra trajectory of my own life, even though I had this big revelation when I was a child, the experiences that led me to coming back to, to my childhood, I had to sort of edge myself along the dark path to see what I wanted, what I didn't want. Sure. And, and this is also coming from a person who grew up Catholic. And, and, and within the Catholicism, we have the, all the beauty and wonder of everything that Christ taught us. Okay, which is, I'll, I'll bring it down to the crystals without being too religious. And then we had the ugly side. We had the Christ on the cross. We had the, you know, the temptations. We had, they, they walked hand in hand all sure, the time, sure. all the time. It's, it's as if one of them is teaching you where it, it might be, you might fall, you might fail, you might get hurt. It's you all might, part of it. But it's teaching you. It's teaching you. And I the, the podcast I did the other night with, Jason Maupin with Elevate Industries was that he had a very rough household upbringing. And I asked him the question that if you had the ideal, you know, mm -hmm. loving environment of two parents, would you be doing what you do today, which is impacting thousands of teenagers, giving them hope? And he believes he would not be. Right. So there's a lesson there in the fact of, you know, whether it's failure or bad decisions. Um, and like you said earlier, hopefully you get back on track. Hopefully you get back on track. Because it's a dangerous thing. Yeah. You know, for my own personal life in 2009, when my wife was pregnant with our first son, I decided to stop drinking alcohol. Mm -hmm. It wasn't something that I could keep in my life part-time mm -hmm. and play that balance. Mm -hmm. Some people can, and that's great. They're disciplined in that way. But for me, I knew what the right decision was. And to this day, you know, I haven't had a drink. Congratulations. But thank you. Before that, that's big. It had it had a little bit of a hold on me. Yeah. And it would have increased its grasp. And then mm -hmm. one hold would become two holds. And eventually 
that could have pulled me a totally different direction. That hole that you're talking about, when you recognize it, I hate to be brutal with it, but you have to sever its head. Absolutely. That's the only way that you can get through it. And like you say, some people sort of uh, are able to mitigate themselves through that. I think that lives for a short while. Well, it's just the basic nature of sin. You know, yeah. the flesh yeah. is one pull, right? And the spirit is a different pull. Your spirit's going to want to pull you to the light, and your flesh is going to want to pull you to the darkness. To the dark. And, you know, I'm fortunate to have been brought up in a home where there was a lot of light, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, in the church and whatnot. And, you know, people, it, it does come down to choice, mm-hmm. but I don't think people really realize the choices that they have before them. No, they don't. And and that's that's part of the the lack of clarity that sort of like the darkness will put on you. You have to understand that you cannot see the choices before you, otherwise you wouldn't make that choice. Like if everything was revealed to you, mm-hmm. you wouldn't make you wouldn't go into the darkness because you know what's going on. But you have to experience it. That's just part of it. You spend time with students. Yeah. yeah and mm-hmm. you you invest your knowledge and your experience and your wisdom of this industry into the younger mm-hmm. generation. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you teach them beyond the method of painting, yeah. but sort of how to navigate their career or their life? Uh, one of the things that I, I strongly emphasize is um, their uniqueness, their uniqueness, because I, I always say, don't, for example, I'd put, let's put in the context of my own work. Uh, a lot of people will say, oh, I sort of want to paint, I want to paint like you. And I'm like, well, you're doing yourself a disservice, yes. right? Because you don't want to paint like me. I'll, I'll teach you the tools that you need to learn to paint, but I need to see who you are through your painting and, and what comes out of you because it's already, I'm already doing it. Like, don't bother trying to do what I'm doing. Let's right. see what you're about. Right. Like, we're all different. We're all different. And that's, that's the key thing there. And um, the other part is, um, to remove those voices in your head that told you for years that um, you couldn't do this. Just get rid of that. Like, who told you that you couldn't? Right. You're here because you can do it. And you're actually looking for validation from me. Well, I'm giving you the validation. I'm opening the door wide open. Yeah, no more excuses. No more excuses. Yeah. Let's, let's get to work because Make this is happen. what you need to do. Make it happen. Because there is sweat equity in anything you do. You have to put sure. It's not just going to fall from the sky. Although grace is innate. You need to work to sustain it and to, you know, see certain things sure. for yourself. So those are the things that I empower them with. And and really, those are the sort of tools that I say, I need to give you tools that no matter where you go, no matter who you interact with, you're going to build a sort of platform and a structure for yourself that is true to your voice. And so remember that we're all unique beings. We're all individuals. We're all different. And if you focus on the fact that we are different, you can rest with that. Like you can meet somebody at that level and say, you're different than me and that's okay. I'm not looking for you to be like me. So in the world of social media mm-hmm. with Instagram, Facebook, it's a disaster. Twitter, um, <laughs> how dangerous is it for somebody to, you know, they, they, they may not view themselves as whole mm-hmm. or living in their purpose and really confident in who they are. Yeah. How dangerous is it if that cup they're already bearing is not full mm-hmm. of their fullness? How dangerous is it for them to start adding that uh, comparison yeah. to their cup? One of the things that we all know is that there's a comparison going on. Mm-hmm. You know, 
I know that you, and I'll touch on this in a moment, but I know you don't define your personal value mm -hmm. in the price tag of your paintings. Right. You know, you understand, you first understood who you were, what you were called to do, your gifting, your purpose, your mission, and what ultimately creates happiness in your life. And you would you would have that. Right. No one can take it away from no you. You would have it. that right. if you never sold another painting. I'm happy. You know, I know that about right. you. And so talk to me quickly about the dangers of people comparing themselves and really not looking in the mirror oh, yeah. and wow. being able to see their own beauty, their own value. The I, I think the um, you know the, the main giants of social media have figured that out, and they use it uh, against us. The value, it's. I I I, th I personally think it's a major disaster uh, in the w in the direction in which it's going. When this first started, I, I I was incredibly optimistic about the whole thing because I said, here's a tool where we can actually start to see our difference. Because every person who puts a platform up is its own person. You're entering into their home, and we can unite. And I and I think at that level, it was always recognizable that this is an extraordinary tool to unite globally. Sure. But there's interference. So it's it's almost like there's interference and there's manipulation, and you can see that. And the simple fact that we're being used for our statistics as to what we mm -hmm. appreciate and what we don't appreciate, like binary, yes, no, we like this, we don't. Sure. We're being turned into sort of like um, a, a separate form of intelligence, other that other than something that is very natural to sure. us. Sure, because the, the nature of humanity, as we've talked about, is there is a lot of beauty, grace. Right and joy and, and connection, you know, human connection happens on social media, but- But the comparison- But you're saying that they're, you know, they're getting their hand in that and yeah. twisting, twisting it. it. So the, the, the cream isn't really rising to the top. It's not rising to the top. Because and, yeah. of the interference. Well, the interference, and then then you put in there, part of the interference is the comparisons, you know? And when 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 you start to compare yourself to somebody else, you're, you're below grace here. You know, you're not at the level of grace. Grace is basically a, 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 an attribute where you know your uniqueness, you you walk with dignity, you walk with your head held up high as confidence. A confidence, you know, and it's it's something that you just know that you carry ever. But when you compare, you lose your confidence, and 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 that weakens you, and that weakens your energetic body, and it it it, it basically makes you question yourself, and it brings in doubt. So now you've opened the door to doubt. Mm, and now that, that hold is starting that to hold grab. hold is starting to grab you now. And then, then there's more levels of doubt that start to come in, the sub-levels sub to the sub-level of doubt. So what started off as a very graceful sort of idea of, of communication and sharing is slowly being chipped away by the fabric of some of this society that's being created, like a so, sort of like subculture mm -hmm. society of manipulation. The, the perception of perfection. Yeah. Is just a, yeah. a total facade. Well, you know, thirty-five thousand followers for an artist. Like, what's the point? Like, what were you getting at with this? It's like, oh, look at me, I'm so popular. Like, it's my my work is so amazing, and I see this all the time. Like, I've met artists, or like, or for example, comparisons. Like, oh, we're gonna get this artist on board uh, to do a talk for us. They have thirty-five thousand followers. Where is this all coming from? This like sort of like idea that we need now to have a certain ratio of followers to value who we are. You sure. see, it's an outside, it's an outside force that's interfering again with the with the basics of what of the structure. Yeah, and that's are. why I'm able to see the confidence inside of you that is not built on a house of cards. Right. No. 
And that's what I, that's the uniqueness that I've, that I've discovered in you is that the level of success that you've had is high and the person that you are has not created an arrogance. No, no. you're, you're very real, very down to earth. And I think that the reason you're that way is because you haven't been chasing success Mm -hmm. or identity in your paintings. You're doing what you love to do. Yeah, and, and that's the key. And and when my mind in the past has gone towards those areas, um, I you know I, I think again going back to that keen sense of perception from when I was a kid, I was able to look at that and say, "Not for you, buddy. You could. Sure. You want to try it? Like, let's go try it. You know, let's see how you feel about it." And I have, you know, Joseph. I've gone in those areas, and uh, when I spent time in New York, I was introduced to all the right circles. I mean, I was dining and whining and dining with mm-hmm. all the people that were set up to make sure that this career was going to go right through the roof. Sure. But that was going to go through the roof in a very different way, mm-hmm. not the way that I... Different that, than your uniqueness. Different than my uniqueness. Different than your calling and your purpose. Yeah. And the purity of that. Yeah. I could have made that happen. I really could have. I was, you chose I, to not sell out. I chose, yeah. And I chose not to experience that chose not to experience that. I chose not to walk that path because it would be short-lived, mm-hmm. you know, and, and my my ultimate goal is that this is a lifelong journey for me. Sure. And even though that would be a short portion of the journey, I think the damage it could have caused uh, to, my, to my psyche, you know, would have affected the work in such a strong way because then, then you're chasing the, you're chasing the names, you're chasing the followers, you're chasing the money. You're chasing the attributes of the uh, popularity. Yeah, I mean, basically, you're chasing the things of the world. The things of the world, which are fabricated. The things that society, you know, sort of uh, paints the picture of, of what it is that you should focus on, what it is that you should become and do. And I, you know, think about the culture of Hollywood and Mm -hmm. music and things like that, and it, it just... House of Cards, man. Yeah, it's just it's the Wizard of Oz, you know. The yeah, curtain absolutely. behind the curtain is yeah. reality, and I think that's important for people to follow their own journey of what their heart is telling them. Yeah. I think their heart will direct them to the right thing, but it's a tough society. There's a lot of pull, a lot of distraction. Again, we make it tough. Yeah, yeah, we make it tough. Yeah, and so one of the things I believe, as I said earlier, is create a healthy environment for your own life. You know, who told you you have to watch two hours of news a day? Mm-hmm. You know, who told mm-hmm. you you have to scroll through mm-hmm. negativity for two hours a day? Well, like, yeah, you know, what, yeah. What about, you know, walking in nature and, and yeah. just being who you are with no outside influence? And that's what nature is. But what you just said there, that's exactly what nature is, being who you are with no outside influence. It's a self-sustaining system that is built on on the belief that it needs nothing outside of itself. Our, our calling and our gift has a voice, and we can't hear it because no. we are filling our ears and our eyes with distractions and right. noise. Yep. And we don't need those things to live a wholesome life. In fact, it's probably the opposite. Those things never existed prior I, I, let's go back. Let's right. really go back in right. existence, right? And so it's uh, it's you and and a, cap, a couple of mammoths, and you're living, you're existing. So right. what are you concerned with? You know, you're concerned with eating, eating, <laughs> right? 
um, whatever you can find during the time. You pick some berries. If you're lucky to kill an animal at some point, you're, you're happy. And you're sustaining yourself. You look at the stars at night. And uh, there's no outside interference. You're just, you're living. It's you're... almost as if God gave us a form of entertainment and beauty mm -hmm. in the very rawest form right. of just the creation in general. Yes. And we need to focus on that and absorb that because it's a pure form of beauty and love. But then when we jump into, you know, smartphones and TV and well, life and career. Yeah. It's a artificial form right. of importance. It's an artificial, it's yeah, absolutely. And and um, that going back to the sort of like the early, early man, uh, that is a higher level of existence, <laughs> sort of than what we're actually doing now. I mean, we're technologically advanced, but as as you can see, it's doing the sin, and um, uh, it's chipping away at at. Uh, the truth of what we are you know we're, we're really literally forgetting that we can take walks and take a walk in nature because we're, we're so caught up with technology or what's going on with politics and we're being manipulated in many ways so i i think as people sort of go this is without making it sound horrible it's it's, it's a dark time mm -hmm. we're going through a dark time but like through all ages, when we go through dark times, there's a renaissance. And you sort of have to edge your way along the darkness to have to see, do we really want to go there? I think as a society, we probably never really thought that we'd even come close to it or that we'd be mm -hmm. manipulated into that position. And now we're starting to realize, oh, wait, there are forces that will do that to us, that they're not all benevolent and the people that we trust are not all benevolent. But wait a second, I'm a good person. I know I'm a good person, right? You know, yeah. The, the and, heart and, hasn't been tainted yeah, so far. Yeah, my heart hasn't been tainted, and then, and if everybody were to say that, I'm a good person inside of me. There's a good person, but my responsibility towards myself uh, sucks. I'm, I'm really treating myself like crap here, you know. Sure. And that's taking personal responsibility for yourself, and then the change starts from there. So, Carmelo, we've had a great talk. I wanted to make sure that I get to. A couple questions about sure. what you actually do mm -hmm. and how you do it. Talk to me a little bit about what it's like to actually be a professional painter, a professional artist. I think a lot of artists want to get to the point where that is their sole right. career, their sole income. Yeah. I know a lot of artists have to sort of do it on the side because it's a passion that's not quite paying them. Right. right. But you've developed it into a business. Mm -hmm. You have repeat clients. Your your name is known in this circle. So how did that develop? I I, I think uh, again I understood that uh, it's not it's not enough to have a passion, and I think a lot of people make that mistake when they go into business for themselves. Um, being an artist means you will probably be in business for yourself. So learn about business. Learn about customer relations. Learn about you know, what it means to have a sound, healthy product. And by healthy, I mean something that is um, sustaining, you know. And, and also I look at sustainability. Is my business sustainable? Like where do, how can I get repeat clients, repeat customers? It's great to sell a, a fantastic painting, but if you do only once, um, right? So that part of me also going back to the sort of dichotomy yeah it's all beautiful to have this to have the grace and the love and that i pour into my work 
but then we have this thing called world where it needs to be seen. Sure. And I want it to be sold because A, it goes into people's lives and it affects them. That's the first, first part yes. of the whole yes. thing. B, it sustains. The money that I gather from there sustains my ability to create more. So it's a very simple formula. It's not based on greed. It's not about selling a million paintings at this price so I can have these mansions and travel around the world. Again, nothing wrong with that. Right. But the, the business upon which it's built on it was very important for me. It has to be something that is sound, uh, you know, uh, giving, nurturing in that sense. So um, at what point, you know, maybe tell me the age or the yeah. the stage of where you were in your journey. At what point did you s- sell a painting for, mm-hmm. let's say, 5000 or $10,000? Uh, you know, now they're, they're you know, no, no, your your paintings sell for. I mean, you tell me they're definitely. Uh, they 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 probably begin. Uh, I think the smallest pieces were, were roughly around five right now, and then it just keeps going up from there. Like where it goes up to fifty, sixty thousand sure. for a large piece, and then and then the market the market basically commands the supply and demand of the economics, uh, so it drives the prices up. And um, I, I try not to over uh, out outprice myself out of the market because sure. again I want people to have them and so on. But it's interesting with every price hike, and there's a certain value that comes with that in, in terms of perception. And certain people fall by the wayside, and, and you and you gather more more uh, different sort of clients, uh, different uh, demographics and monetary demographic. But but I think that's part of the fear with a lot of artists. It's like oh, I I I want to boost my price too much or they keep mm-hmm. underselling their work all the time. Mm-hmm. And and again, but be behind all of that is the, the lack of ability to believe in their uniqueness. You know? Sure. So um, part of what makes an artist successful is knowing that you can't get this piece anywhere else. <laughs> and that's you're expressing your uniqueness. Yeah. What I discovered when I met you at the at the botanical gardens was you were painting and you had many paintings around the room that you had done and the more I talked to you and the more you talked to my children and talked to my wife and you mm-hmm. talked with other people as well, just in a 20 or 30 minute period, to me, it made me more attracted to your art. Right. Because you're taking what's inside of you and putting it on canvas. And it's a beautiful process. And I think a lot of artists may need to improve on their ability to interact with people. Mm-hmm. You seem to have understood that it needs to be a business Mm -hmm. and you don't you know have the fear of putting a big price tag on it because that's part of business you have to be profitable to be sustainable right but you also are an excellent artist in the actual trade of that and thirdly you are excellent with people i mean you have a heart to be able to connect with people and you do it with the person that you are and your your painting so it's unique the good of the people is uh, seeing people for the grace and love that they carry. Simple. It's not It's not anything more complicated than that. Sure. If you, anybody, I mean, this is anybody. If we all just communicate at that level, then that's it. I mean, it's, there's, and you know, look, that's not to say that some of my clients are like real hard. Right. Because they come from a, a business point of view that is that has taught them to be that way. You know, going back to the business part of, uh, of being an artist, because I think it's really important, Joseph, and uh, it's what does artists in a lot of times is they, they sort of start to look at, I'm not I'm not good at business. I'm not good at business. Well, you better be if you're going to be an artist. Right. Like, and it's it's an it's an endeavor. You know, you're an entrepreneur here, and you're you're basically taking 
uh, your skill set and, and giving it to the world and saying, hey, look what I can do. I can offer this to you. And when you ask me, like, where does the creativity come from? I, I don't look to outside sources except for nature and what's inside of me, because it's the only thing that I know. My world is very small and the things that I know are, are solid. And when I, I sort of venture outside of that, and if I try and create paintings that are socio-political type of paintings, they fall by the wayside because that that is part of the world and it continuously changes. Sure, the authenticity would be basically tainted. Well, it would be tainted. Be, what would I do? I'd do a couple of paintings about the state of democracy in the United States or you know the oppression of... Uh, whatever is going on, uh, how long, and how interesting is that? And that's always changing. And like, I would wear myself out by, by chasing that sort of tail of the sure. dragon all the time. But and nature is constant. Nature and... is constant and it's, it's fulfilling and it's nurturing. And I remember when I started painting these, some of these paintings, there would always be some sort of like uh, naysayer going, oh my God, it's, you're painting flowers. Like, why flowers? Like, why would you want to do that? I mean, because it's, it's beautiful. They're just, they're beautiful. Uh, so why not paint something that makes people happy, makes yourself happy? Most of the time, I would have to say, probably 100% of the time when I'm in the studio painting, divinity, there's a divine force that guides me to paint. It just it is. It just is. And again, part of being able to understand the energies that make up, compose the physical attributes of the body, I understand that there's an energy beyond the physical that is basically guiding this, this vehicle. So I work with that vehicle, and, and I, I, I work with it by getting out of its way. Sure. And, you know, you probably hear this from a lot of artists talk this way, or creative people, or, or anybody who's basically loving their passion. You need to get out of the way. And part of that is the egoic mind, the identity that believes that it's Carmelo Blandino, the famous artist, which is not so famous in my world, but okay, and the <laughs> perception of things, right? Um, so, you, you know, that has to step aside and let this divine force say what it needs to say and use me as the vehicle, you know, based on all the components that make up my structure, it's going to come out in a certain way. And I'm always amazed that I end up seeing this thing on the canvas as a reflection of that non-egoic source of energy that resides within my body. Sure, purity. Yeah, purity. Yeah, the the sort of like the untainted part of of the physical. Yeah, and, you know, God creates us with that, but the world wants to take it. Yeah, the world... the world, the world, yeah, yeah. Your the world cre- will take it the, if you let it. If you let it, yeah. If you let it, and if you, if you, again, going back to the beginning of our conversation, if you sort of like edge your way towards that, and then you risk, you run the risk of like not being able to pull yourself out. Listen, I've I've heard this from like many people also talking about like they've they've tapped into the dark side and they had to go there for a number of years to finally figure out that that's not what sure. they wanted to do but but fortunately like for me in my in my work and what i do the, the sort of the communication with this sort of divinity um whatever force it is is strong you know and there's moments when I'm, i finish my day and i just sit down and i'm like wow where did this come from sure. <laughs> it's like sure i would have never ever thought so when you ask me how do i approach a painting and how do i start and and this might be a lesson for many artists is not to have a plan and I, uh, one of the things that I teach is like to not work with the mind, but to work with the heart. And it's incredibly difficult for a lot of people because they've trained themselves to think. 
And thinking is probably one of the worst things that we can do as humans. Hmm. We, we, That's really good. That's really because when we think, we 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 are allowing for a sort of like a, a set structure of system of belief from somebody else to fall in and guide you. It's like get out of your own way. Let the heart lead you. So the lesson there, you know, and I I'm a I'm kind of a take action quickly type guy. Mm-hmm. You know, unless I start thinking, then I then I hinder myself. Right. Uh, fall into that trap, but I may, you know, fire and aim later guy, right? Because that's just, you know, taking the risk, let's go, let's start. And I think a lot of people are trying to figure everything out in their mind, you know, before they start. And that's just simply not how it works. That's not how it works. Um, Out of chaos comes order. Because that's just the method of things. Your, your biocircuitry in your own body is programmed in a certain way that it's going to take a very, this happens at the subconscious level, a very quick analysis of your, you know, of what is in front of you. You analyze it, your perception puts it all together and you respond, okay? However, your, you know, your biocircuitry is, is composed. And um, when you try and control all those factors, you're, you're missing a large part of the experience. You know, if you just let it happen and know that no matter what happens, you always land on your feet. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more fun also. Sure. It's a lot more fun. So, so yeah, um, the paintings are created in the same way. There's no set plan. There's no preliminary drawing that's made. I love that. There's no idea of like, <laughs> uh, it's like, let's just see how, like some clients were here last week and they were looking at the painting that's behind you that was... Uh, a commission piece and they're like well we kind of like we want like to have the flower here the flower there and immediately in front of them i started to just paint just to paint just to show them that there is no plan here this right. is it's going to come out this way however it needs to come out so is the so the mind wants to have all the answers before they happen and all the what ifs and all the planning and uh, preparation and the heart is just ready to go the heart is ready to go, and that scares a lot of people because it's impulsive and it doesn't have order. The heart doesn't have order. The heart resides within chaos. And so when, when you start to think, think gives rise to emotion. Hmm. And if you feed the emotion, that will also steer you away. The heart doesn't have an emotion. It has an impulse. It has an instinct to respond to the situation at hand. So it keeps you within the moment. When you're thinking, you're either thinking of your future or you're thinking of your past. So you're not in the present. Hmm. So when you communicate through your heart, you're in your present. Okay. Sure. So when you use that as your guiding principle and you work from that that point, it will it will always put you in a position that is best for your biocircuitry based on how you're programmed to respond. We're, we're sort of like machines in a way. Yeah, the heart is leading. The heart is leading. And so the rest thing, will fall into place. Right. There's a lot more distance from, let's say you're painting and you're holding a brush in your hand as an example. The distance from your mind to your hand is a lot longer to get there. And things happen along the way before you actually end up putting the stroke, like doubt will come in, it's not the right color, it's not gonna be the right. So if you equate that to life, all these questions come up. But such as yourself, when you let the heart lead, the distance from the heart to the hand, to the brush is a lot shorter. Sure. So it's a much more direct response. And then you do it, and then you can say, oh, okay, let me try this again, let me try it again. So every time you respond with the heart, you gain trust and you gain faith. You know, and that's where faith comes from. It's a natural understanding that 
you have a built-in mechanism inside of you that will always steer you right or into the area right i'm doing quotations here air mm -hmm. quotes and what is right for you at that moment mm -hmm. remember right for you at that moment may mean that you're going to get into a car accident or something's going to happen to you oh my god they, you know they went with their heart and look what happened yeah but you don't know the lesson that's going to come out of that right you don't know that lesson right and and so that's that's so for people that are preparing to either start a business right. or have children or mm -hmm. get married or you know there's so many things that i think people naturally feel the need to prepare for right you know some people over budget their money some people mm -hmm. you know plan a road trip you know mm -hmm. i have many experiences on our road trips that you know we stopped booking hotels in advance because we might not right. drive 450 miles in one day you might not there's kids and a dog involved yeah. so you know if life teaches us that things aren't usually going to go as planned anyway mm -hmm. then stop wasting time yeah. thinking and preparing you're absolutely right and i think we share that same yeah. methodology in different ways where just hurry up and fail mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you will learn from that learn from it. and like you mentioned earlier you have to know what your your passions and your giftings are but you have to know what they're not as well right. yeah and I think that action teaches you, yeah. uh, you know, what not to do, and then teaches you what to focus on. And and you know, road trips, as you mentioned, are probably like one of the best analogies for that because, yeah, you're not going to do 400 miles a day the way you had set it out, and then you're going to be in this city, and then in that city, and then we're going to go see this monument, and you may just see one of the most beautiful sunsets you know along the way and you're gonna say you know what i'm stopping right here because exactly and, and we did we stopped in iowa in a amish community mm -hmm. and we were staying at a home that a uh, a lady who grew up mennonite uh rents out her extra rooms and it was an experience we will never forget you know the kids were experiencing things that they wouldn't experience in a big city, mm -hmm. you know, and they learned the go. history of that culture. And there's a lot of, uh, I have a lot of respect for them in their ability to take care of each other and to love and to create their own environment. I mean, if anybody creates their own environment, it's the Amish. That's right. And there's lessons there. Yeah, and, you if know, you really look at that as a, as a society as a whole, it's quite interesting that all this stuff revolves around them and they've been able to maintain what's very core to their values, you know, generation after generation for such a long time. It's actually a really nice thing to see. And, uh, and we would have missed that if you we missed tried that. to go the quickest route. Right, right. You know, we just went, we just started driving and we ended up finding yeah. different places. And Isn't that amazing? It's just... Uh, it is, you know, it, you know, if you're not moving forward, you're not going to see what's in front of you. It sounds mm -hmm. cliche, but... Mm -hmm people over prepare you know yeah I, I think it's important to prepare because the preparing part is part of the world you know the attributes of the world and everything the physicality of the world like you know you, you, it's raining outside you put on a raincoat and okay but then once you're out there if you really like the fact that you want to get wet take your raincoat off yeah adapt <laughs> adapt and so you're going to start a business have a business plan I mean, we all there's a certain structure that we all abide by as a you know universal as a collective consciousness. Yeah, all right. We need these things to work. All right, here's my business plan. Is it going to work? Maybe not. Adapt. Sure. Right. And and the adaptability again. That's where the heart comes in. 
Because if you're so stringent, you're thinking, yeah. you, you, your emotions are going to come in. But the, the heart says, eh, maybe it's not really, this isn't really for me. Right. Recognize There's, it. You know? yeah. It's okay to change jobs. It's okay to change exactly. jobs mid-career or or midlife or why well, you have to have a crisis crying out loud, just change job. Right. But the, you have a crisis because you're thinking about it. That's the problem. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So less thinking and more doing. Less thinking start. and more doing. Start. Just start. Start. Yeah. Expect the unexpected. Changes all the time. Like remember, change is the only constant we have. What, what exactly are you basing all of this on? You know? Sure. My business models have changed from day one. I was I was a different person when I started at 19. And then when I went into becoming a fine artist at 36, I changed my business model again. And now I'm 54 and I'm changing my business model again. It's, it's but what remains the Natural. same naturally. Yeah. And it's natural occurrence to be able to, um, you know, you asked me to share a story and maybe this will help some of your listeners is at the ripe age of 50, I, I was diagnosed with kidney cancer. Wow. Right. Both my kidneys. Wow. So I was I was on an uphill climb towards whatever was in my mind that I said, I'm going to do sort of like, this is going to be my next accomplishment of what I'm going to do. Well, guess what? Everything stopped, <laughs> you know? Sure, sure. Obviously, I had to look after my health in order for me to even get to the next, next level. So all of that, uh, and I never tackled it with fear. I just looked at that. And I said, wow, this is going to be an awesome experience. Wow. Because who gets cancer and and doesn't turn out being awesome? And awesome in in the sense, like, it could go completely sideways or it could go completely, uh, you know, left or right. But it's still full of awe. Right. (laughs) And it's it's awesome in the sense that it's big. And that's how I saw it. I said, oh, wow, you know, fasten your seatbelt because we're in for a good ride. And out of that, I learned a lot about myself. I learned about how people respond to cancer. Wow. I learned about the medical system, Western medicine. I was already holistically inclined, but now was sort of like a naysayer of Western medicine. But I learned that I need to work with Western medicine mm-hmm. to heal myself. I learned that not everything that is spiritual uh, comes in the form of spirituality. My doctor up in, uh, in Milwaukee, uh, bless his heart, came in a very practical, pragmatic approach to taking care of cancer. That's spiritual also. That Absolutely. Everything has this sort of like connotation of connection. Well, it's not a connotation. It's a connection to God of some sort. And yeah, There's people absolutely. with passions in all forms of life. So the that process... I would imagine, you know, I, I, I've never had cancer, but I would imagine that when you get that diagnosis, you know, your, you know, obviously your positive attitude, positive outlook and ability to adapt, change, kind of play the cards you were dealt Mm -hmm. has, you know, I think served you well in many areas of your life. But I think anybody that's diagnosed with that at least has the thought of, you know, what if my life ends in six months? And it was there. And so yeah. that's four years ago. You're yeah, cancer-free. Right. Yeah, I'm uh, cancer-free. I've got one more year to officially be cancer-free, sure. which is five years. So. But because of that experience, your outlook on your business, your life, your family, and your impact, I would imagine, has been strengthened. That's part of the equation. That's part of, like, getting on the journey, and then uh, along the road, you sort of have to go left a little bit, which, and then you learn from that left turn. And so always balanced in, in, in the garden of, of life and the universe, you know, and this was a gift that was given to me. Right. It really was. And so, so I looked at that and I said, because through that, 
the amount of people that have now come forward to me and said, you know, I went through cancer or, you know, your work uplifted me during the time of cancer. Wow. So I'm, I'm getting a different perception and perspective of the, the, the strength of the word. Sure. My own ability to not generate fear around a situation like that also, because there was no fear ever, ever. I can really wow. tell you that. Wow. I don't know where that came from, but I just looked at it and I said, let's have fun with this. Like, really, let's have fun with it. Yeah. And then maybe that was just part of it. Maybe that was, I mean, and again, I think that's part of a programming because I would see like people would say, oh, I hear you have cancer. I'm like, well, relax. Like, where are you going with this? Don't feel I'm sorry. Alive, right? I'm alive, right? Look at me. Like, I'm don't standing. Feel, yeah, yeah. Don't feel sorry for me. Like, that's the worst thing you can do. Don't see me as being sick. See me as being healthy. Look at the light that's within me. Trust me. And if I don't overcome this, at a certain point, there's not much I can say about it because the way if this was given me for a certain reason, it's meant to take me away. Well, then that's that's it. We're done. Let's close up shop and let's we're done. Sure. Because everything has like a, has a time stamp on it. Sure. I'm just part of that too. I'm sure. just I'm just part of that whole thing. But in the meantime, what can I learn? How can I help? Why would that go away? Because I have cancer. Am I going to become bitter? Am I going to become remorseful? Am I going to hate people? Yeah, I would imagine it. It does. Think about that. Make people better or worse. Oh my God. A, a lot of trauma, basically, is the road that you're on ends, mm-hmm. and there's a left and a right. Yeah. You know, you're either going to be negatively impacted by that and bitter, or even more sick because the mind can create more sickness in the body right. if you don't believe yeah. that there yeah. is light or the opposite is true where that trauma, that brokenness, that dark period of time in your life has the ingredients of something beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I just think that a positive attitude is so important because as we mentioned earlier, you first have to believe that that's there mm-hmm. and then discover and you're better you're a better person for it. And for me, first of all, like there's nothing, there's nothing else that happens in life. We're always faced with everything you just said. You're on or you're off. You know, you're alive or you're not. Continuously, no matter what it is that you're doing. So the fact that something like this would come in, which p- could potentially speed up the process. But I don't know if like three seconds prior to getting my diagnosis, I was going to get hit by a bus, and you know, I wasn't even going to hear that diagnosis. <laughs> Right. 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 So, so, and then the other part is um, saying that it's uh, what does it mean to be positive about it? And it's not about positive thinking in the sense of, yeah, every day I wake up because there right. were mornings. It's not hype. It's no, not, it's not artificial. Hype. No, there were mornings where I'd wake up and I'd be like, oof, today's going to be a tough day, you know? But okay, well, let's, let's go into it. Let's go into the tough day. Right. Embrace it. Embrace it. Take it on. Take on. And then um, I think I think during that whole time, the, the one thing that was missing the most for me was probably my inability to get into the studio. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And, that's and, your that's yeah. your. Well, that was that was I, I that was so I mentioned earlier that was sort of like this connection to divine, to the divinity. But um, and it was a different form of expression for me. But then I started to understand that that divinity, obviously never really leaves you or it never really appears just in the studio. You carry it with you everywhere. Mm-hmm. So then I said, well, what if my whole life, in fact, is an entire studio. My whole life is a painting anyway. You know, so being whether it's... This is part know, of the painting. Yeah, this is also part of the painting. So whether I'm in that setting, actually physically creating a painting or, or you know, using what I have around me to create my life as the painting, like, it's not any different. And so that was a really, it was a welcome revelation for me. And, then, and again, it was a different level 
uh, sort of like an attainment of a certain realization that, yeah, life, um, you know, life, life has you. <laughs> you don't have life. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. And em- embracing that. And embracing that. Yeah. I mean, like. It's a ride. It's a ride. And uh, <laughs> oh, it's a good ride. I said, hey, happy birthday, sucker. Here you are, 50 years old. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and. Um, well, the, the beauty of, you know, your, your life flashing before your eyes, I guess, in mm-hmm. a sense, is that you have made a big impact on people. Yeah. And that's what I want people to really realize is that their life is designed to do the same thing mm-hmm. in a different way, in a different form maybe in a different location of the world. Yeah. But I think that we're all designed to impact each other. Yeah. And I think if we focus on that, there's just going to be more stories of, of the beauty and, yeah. and love that, you know, there's a, somebody I follow on Instagram, I think it's called the good news movement or something like that. Okay. Yeah. And obviously the stories that they share are very positive and uplifting. And I think that those stories are happening all the time. I think that there's an abundance of love and giving. I mean, I see it in my own life with different people that I know, but we have to really block out the, the mainstream things because they're not showing us that stuff. And we believe that reality is something different than it is. So I've really enjoyed this time. I, I look at your life and I really respect and admire it. It inspires me to make my impact in my way. Thank you. Yeah, well, you, know, you are. I'll never be an artist. Uh, I think I think you are. In, well, maybe an artist, but not a yeah. painter per right. se. Right. Okay, well, let's say, because that's just like, you know, that's one form of expression. But definitely sure. there's an art form to what you're doing. And um, earlier, before we got on, we spoke about the ability to recognize that sort of m- message. Sure. That is in alignment with what you want to put out there. It's not any different than what I'm doing. Sure. You're just, you, I'm, I'm your palette. Sure. You know, I'm your palette and you're using me right now to be able to put out this message that you think uh, needs to be heard. And so it does. There's your artistry right there. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I'll take that and I'll, yeah. I'll put artist on my resume. Yeah, absolutely. You should. <laughs> you're See good what happens it. with so, that. But well, thank you, Joseph. Yeah. Your heart is uh, very visible through who you are, through thank the you. way you carry yourself. And it's a beautiful thing that you've created. Um, for those of you listening that want to check out Carmelo's work, I would encourage you to do that. It's very beautiful. And he's on Instagram, Carmelo Blandino art. art. And then his website is CarmeloBlandino.com. So thank yeah. you, Carmelo. This was very right, thank you. enjoyable. It was a pleasure. And uh, yep. there was a lot of value. <laughs> thank you. Great. Thank you for listening to the Choosing Greatness podcast. If this has inspired you, please be sure to share it with three to five people. If you'd like to take a moment to write us a review, we would be so grateful. Until next time, thanks for listening.